I mean, we're, we're, we're rolling. Are we rolling? We're rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. We really need to take a minute to pour one out for a legend, R.I.P. Kamala Harris. You know, you gave it your best. You gave it your best. And that sucked. Yeah, and it sucked. <laughs> your best was not very good. Yeah. We're, I mean, all, we're all very disappointed in you. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit surprised, actually. I thought there would be, um, you know, on the degree that uh, uh, Buttigieg got support and uh, Kamala uh, lost support, that was a surprising turn in, in my expectations of things. I, I really thought people were going to get more around uh, Kamala, like when I first saw her entering the race. Because, like, yeah. pe- people love their cops. She you takes know? a lot of boxes. She's a woman of color. She's got a a record in office, mm-hmm. even if it's you know very alienating to a lot of le- lib left voters. Um, a lot of libs fucking love cops, and uh, yeah. But it, I think it's just proof that like having a couple of zingers during the debates is not going to get you up there in the in the polls. So yeah, I, I really thought story. I really thought being able to say that you love black people and cops in the same candidate would have really made it work yeah strange how that didn't yeah didn't work out so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna try not to talk too much this episode because i am uh in the very the final stretch of finishing an audiobook and i gotta take care of my moneymaker but i am at the top of the show gonna spend about two minutes shilling for the patreon oh hell yeah so if you don't want to hear me shill for the patreon which what's wrong with you if you don't but you can skip ahead maybe two minutes um please don't though so the, uh, the way we currently produce this show is we all get together on this lovely Sunday afternoon and spend about four hours figuring out what we're going to talk about, coming up with a game plan, shooting the shit, and then we record. And then Chris that takes has, about five hours. That takes, yeah, is it five? Would you yeah, say well, five no, hours? No, it's four hours for planning, then five hours recording. And then six right. hours shooting the shit. Six hours shooting the shit again. Right. Two hour intermission. We basically spend... 48 hours yeah. in Chris's uh, studio now. So, so we do spend about f- about four hours a week just on the recording. And then Chris does the mix down, sends me the full file and I take it and I do the editing usually on Monday. And that is where the magic happens. It is where the, you know, I mean, the, no, the magic happens here. The, uh, <laughs> the boring, the smoke and mirrors. The, smoke happens. And, <laughs> yeah. the thing that makes After. us sound smarter than we are happens on Monday. And so because I, you know, Chris and David have like, day jobs i am a freelancer in the lovely flourishing gig economy so i basically have the most time and also like the the skills because i do you know voice audio editing as my not as my gig job i was gonna say day job but it's not it's It's actually it's actually a 9 30 at night job yeah most times you're a professional yeah yeah very professional um so Okay, so what's the point that I'm getting to? So I spend probably, depending on how much content we have and how highly produced it is, uh, you know, anywhere from like four to six hours working on the working on the show. And that doesn't include, for example, like we did the Buttigieg horror intro mm-hmm. recently. That was pretty time consuming, believe it or not, for five minutes of audio. It took a while. And then, you know, we sometimes do the heavy hitter episodes. We did the Lyme disease episode, the Hudson Valley Lights the uh, the rent wars so all of those take quite a bit of time to research and get ready for the show so why should you support us on patreon the more support we get from patreon the more it frees uh me specifically up 
I don't have to take on quite so many gigs. Uh, I don't have to take on as many audiobook projects. I don't have to take on as many tutoring students. And I can devote more time to the pod, getting a better, cleaner product out, and also spending a bit more time doing interesting uh, content that's maybe not typical for other podcasts. And so, well, like I'm, co- we're, we, but, and I are cooking something up for January that I'm going to tease. It's a big topic. It's really fun. I think you guys are going to like it, but it's probably going to take a solid, you know, 10 to 15 hours of research, if not more, because I, um, have a problem and get too, into too far into rabbit holes. <laughs> and there are also some other th- cool things I'd like to do. Like I have this book of, um, essays and short stories written by, uh, American leftists. I would love to like narrate some of that content so that you could hear like a professional level narrated, uh, a piece coming from different, different authors and different perspectives on the left. And so, and those take time as well. So what I'm saying is, as we grow and we get more supporters, uh, we can do more fun things. And so far, we have like 10 patrons. We are so grateful to you all. Thank you. It's so Thank it's so you. wonderful. For as little as $1 a month, you can get our two. We do two bonus episodes every month. Hopefully, we'll, we'll end up doing three or four at some point. <clears throat> you can hear my voice is a little shot. Um and if you want to do a one-time donation, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds. Give us uh, as little as $3 there, and you'll also get all the bonus episodes for the month. So that'll be two. And yeah, that's about it. In case you're wondering, I, I say all of this, and I'm not going to do this again for, let's say, at least like a few months. Um, but in case you're wondering what your support will add up to, it's not like just buying us beer and pizza. It will actually result in us producing more and better and more interesting content for you, our beloved listener. Yeah. So the the normal episodes get better and the bonus, the more people uh, subscribe to the Patreon, the normal episodes alone will just get better. And then we'll, well we'll also be able to make some cool bonus content. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't really, when we started this, we didn't really want to be like a typical, you know, um, shooting the shit, like new, daily, like weekly news cycle podcast. Because you already have a bunch of those, probably. We wanted to do something a little bit more um, off the beaten path. And so that's what we're, what we're hoping to do. And that stuff is, is time, cons- you know, reading, reading the like top articles on the news subreddit is pretty easy and we've done a lot of that but we would like to get into some different more interesting stuff okay uh shilling over patreon.com slash patreon.com slash ironweeds buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds and we love you and thank you awesome um yeah uh you were talking about uh some exciting things you could do in terms of narration of stuff that isn't already in uh audible audible consumable uh format and I think that's really badass. And I've been thinking about that since I got this new book that I've been reading, um, An American Utopia, Dual Power in the Universal Army by uh, Frederick Jameson. And uh, it's like one of these sort of, you know, books on political theory and, and stuff. And I'm very interested in the content, but like my modern lifestyle, uh, it's very hard for me to sit down for like hours at a time and, you know, not move my body not do other things while I like sit and turn the pages and focus entirely on the, uh, the content. 
And I wish I could get an audiobook version of it. I just can't find it. Yeah. Uh, because, like, you know, it's not on Audible or any of the mainstream yeah. kind of uh, uh, sources that I can search. Uh, maybe I'll contact the publisher and see if they'll pay me to narrate it. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, the other thing, too, what is that, Verso? I think yeah. they, yeah, they don't do a ton of audiobooks. Maybe I, don't, I, should, I haven't seen them do any audiobooks. I audio should get books. in touch with them. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that so much theory is, if you're not a theory buff, if you don't have like a master's in political science, it can be sort of hard to wrap your head around a lot of theory. One thing that I would love to do with the show is do some like solo kind of write up some scripts and do some overviews of leftist theory and produce those for like bonus episodes. And that's something that will be just like totally on my time. Basically your Patreon money will go to me to do this shit. Uh, so give white women podcasters <laughs> money is what I'm saying, folks. And, and you will eventually do uh, a Twitch stream of tarot reading. Of tarot reading. Yes, we you will. have to tell Brittany that you will watch this. Yeah, I'm not uh, going to do it so that I can have like one person in the stream because I'm yeah. too self-conscious to do something that nobody pays attention to. If I'm going to do something, everybody has to pay attention to me. That's just <laughs> a facet of my personality. So, yeah, so but you, I would love to do Twitch tarot reading. Yeah, so you, but, but I have a very sexy deck. There's a yes. lot of breasts. It's nice. a hot a deck. Of, there's a lot of buff dudes and ladies. Nice. It's a great deck. Yeah. Hell yeah. So and, and yeah. it's a uh, uh, I want to say enlightened, but that's not it. It's uh it's got gloss. It's, it's embossed. 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 Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. It's pretty. a beautiful deck. Yeah. It's really pretty. Uh, so wait, yeah. Wait till you see her deck. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want to see this deck, baby? Let me tell you. <sighs> see a buff deck that dance like a man. So we all have uh, <laughs> buff, we all have buff babies stuck in our head. Yeah. <laughs> We, David and I listened to it, not once, but twice on the drive over here. Yep. Because for me, if I'm going to have a song stuck in my head, I need to know all the lyrics to that song. Again, you you, uh, you have a problem where you just like research things to death. And that's one yes. way that it, that so it manifests. So actually, I recently read that getting songs stuck in your head is considered to be a symptom of bipolar disorder. Which for listeners who don't know, I, I have bipolar disorder and I was recently... Uh, talking with some people on the on the subreddit, the bipolar subreddit, and everybody was like, "Yeah, I get songs stuck in my head in like a very intense way. I have at least one song stuck in my head every single day, and sometimes two. Anyway, we listened to Buff Baby twice on the way here, and yeah. I think I have about fifty percent of the lyrics down. So this is a song by uh, Toby Lou, um, but it's inspired from the um, the cartoon animation series Adventure Time. Yeah, where there's uh, they have a bunch of like small ditties throughout the series where they break into song, um, like the characters and stuff. It's it's a pretty cool show. It, like I don't know if uh, how much crossover there is between Ironweeds fans and Adventure Time, but I, I personally will co-sign that show. Yeah, I bet you're not the only one. I imagine not. All right, so what do we got next, boys? What's going on in this fucking weird-ass world of ours? I mean, it's been a really extremely normal week for Troy City politics. Yeah, Yeah. super normal. Yeah, or just, um, you know, a city council member uh, dosed a lady with a kid in the car. You know, normal stuff. Yeah. Wait, like... Uh, oh, sorry. I shouldn't. Pr- I, I was like, should I put feign ignorance on this and be like, wait, so what did he dose her with? Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. But I, I guess I should. Be, that is, an, that is a useful rhetorical tool in yeah. podcasting. But, 
you know, let's not pretend that we haven't all been following the situation closely because we have. It's tasty popcorn material. Like, holy shit. It's scary, too. Oh, it's like, terrifying. Like, for, for real. But yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. It's also, like, <laughs> it's, absurd. Yeah. So it's yeah. one of those situations where you kind of, like, have to laugh at the absurdity and also cringe at the, like, horror of it. Yeah, and and it's just, it's, it's pure schadenfreude. Like, it's just so good to watch TJ Kennedy, like, just get what, you know, get what he deserves in yeah. some respects. So, uh, in Times Union, Troy City Council member TJ Kennedy accused of spiking women's drink. Uh, this was from October. Uh, th- this came out uh, December 4th, but uh, the incident was back in October. And uh, part of it reads, um, Kennedy, a 29-year-old Democrat, also is accused of endangering the welfare of a child for allegedly putting THC, an intoxicating ingredient in marijuana, into a smoothie drink he gave the woman who consumed it October 30th while she and a 10-month-old baby drove, uh, boy drove home from Kennedy residence. Couple things. One, why is baby driving? <laughs> Maybe he's uh, a buff baby and he can handle it. Yeah, he can drive like a man. Uh, the, <laughs> the second thing in that is... Uh, THC and intoxicating ingredient in marijuana. Someone at Times Union is very well aware of the chemical makeup of yeah. marijuana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's be someone... clear here: no cannabinoids were used <laughs> were used to spike the smoothie. Right? Yeah. Well, it's well, well, it like, uh, yeah, it like. I mean, I imagine at some point someone put the intoxicating ingredient, and then like and some came by in the newsroom is like, like, actually, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So here's what here's what I don't understand about the story is that TJ says that he put hemp seeds in the smoothie, but hemp seeds like THC has to bind with a fat or something like soluble in order to and it has to be like heated in order to be intoxicating edible edibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's be de- um, de- was so you, it decarbed or something? Well, is that so, called? Yeah, yeah, you can't just like throw hemp seeds in a smoothie and get high. Yeah, that and I, I'm not even. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not even sure you would test positive for THC no, consuming you hemp no. weeds in that way. No. Whereas she was intoxicated and got a drug test and tested positive for THC. Yeah, like I think she went to the hospital or something. Yeah, so. Like, oh, I, or clearly... I, I, I think they sampled the, the smoothie. Oh, is that what it was? I, I, yeah, yeah. I believe they sampled the smoothie. So he clearly didn't put hemp seeds in it. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it was probably a tincture, which uh, was speculated at the end of the article. Oh, um, yeah. uh, because that, that's a common thing. Like you were saying, it needs to be, um, to be digestible by um, people uh, and to have a psychoactive effect. It has to be bound to a fat so that your metabolism, as it breaks that fat down, releases the psychoactive components into your blood. Right. Um, and so it was probably produced um, in some type of liquid form um, and, and put in. But like, it, it raises way, this article raises way more questions than answers. It, it does say, by the way, that she did get tested. Yeah, I And, so. and it came back positive. Oh, yeah. was it her or was it the smoothie? She, her. Oh, okay. Specific, yeah. And she, she's, she's a nursing mother right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is she right. nursing? I think so, yeah. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. So, you know, like she, she has no business, you know. I mean, I guess we could speculate that maybe part of his goal in doing this would be to like, here and here, this is wild speculation. But let's fuck it. Like we're not news. Uh, maybe he was trying to get her kid taken away from her or something. Well, because what are the like? The what? article uh, mentions that they're in a custody battle. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I, there were two articles uh, that came out talking about this. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it made mention uh, that 
Yeah, so the, there is a second article. So after this came out, uh, it is common on the Troy City Council that like when you're when you're done, like when you're going off the committee, they'll put forward a uh, resolution like thanking that council member for their service. Yeah. And uh, Kennedy's didn't pass. Oh, interesting. <laughs> did, did, did Kennedy uh, uh, resign? I know he's he's a- no, no, out, no. Out he didn't resign. No, normally. He, he's, no, he, no. He he's he's going to ride out like a boss. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not going to resign. He doesn't have any uh, fucking shame. But uh, no, uh, they they were uh, it, you know it's, he's only got the end of the month. So like they just put it put it on the ballot now or on the on the docket. And uh, yeah, and they and it was um it, it, uh, Carmela voted no. Because she also has a lawsuit now pending with him for sexual harassment, harassment yeah. right? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. Uh, but um, was it? I think it was Gully, Deb Garrett, and Colleen uh, Peritor all voted for it to, for thanking him. Yeah, for thanking him, and then Anasha and David abstained. Oh, interesting. And then there was one vote no, so it didn't pass. Interesting. That fucking rules. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! And Kennedy stormed out before it happened. It, had he stayed there and voted on his own measure, which I don't know if he's allowed to, I, that would be it. It would have passed. <laughs> so he, but I, I don't know if you're supposed to vote on your own thanking uh, uh, your own thanking resolution. I don't. Uh, let's give I would a shout like out. To thank myself. That seems crass. <laughs> shout out to all school teachers, all people you know in the, in the submarines. This is traveling music. I want to give a shout out. I want to give out a shout out to myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Big baby Jesus. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah, I mean... Ugh, so TJ's so a piece strange. of shit. It's he's so just got he's such me. a... If you, he's like a cartoon character piece of shit. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I want to, like, put a, a smoothie on his doorstep. Oh! You, you Put it right there. You could splash him with a smoothie. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we should throw a smoothie at him. Yeah, throw a smoothie at Wait, wait, wait. Is that assault? Has, has the law uh, is, yes. s- sorted this out? I believe it is, yes. Interesting. I think throwing anything at someone is probably assault. But a shouting isn't, where you're throwing threatening, air. At threatening them. to hurt somebody is also assault. Yeah, that. Depending on your local oh, laws. Interesting. <sighs> what about my free speech? Right, I know. Maybe we should take that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's good. Uh, no, like I. We can take it out if you want, but. I, I, you know, I, I don't. Think I don't want to get taken off of iTunes for. Uh, you, know. <laughs> you just have to say allegedly. Allegedly, 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 parody. This is parody. Total, total parody. Yeah. No, but seriously. Alleg- <laughs> seriously, allegedly, in a parody <sighs> sense. Throw, throw a bunch of yeah. I mean, throw I, a bunch of shit at TJ Kennedy. Yeah, so I'll just say it would be funny if someone did it. Yeah, but I am certainly not advocating that anybody do it. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that people cool. are are taking this seriously. Like he was he was arrested right uh, for this, and that he's he's facing criminal yeah, there's charges. charges. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's charges. Uh, because like as much as you know, I'm a proponent of the legalization of cannabis and the use of you know tinctures for recreational and or medicinal. Uh, purposes, uh, as with all things, um, you know, enthusiastic consent is required. Yeah. <laughs> like putting something, you know, an intoxicant in, in food or drink for someone else is like incredibly heinous. And, you know, you have no idea how those substances can affect people. Like even pot, like pot is obviously one of the least, um, 
dangerous, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a fairly innocent substance as far as things go, but there are certain people who it can trigger, you know, like psychosis or, you know, extreme mental states that you can't predict because people have certain illnesses or they're on certain drugs or something like that. So, you know, but just most importantly, just body just autonomy, don't man. Just those yeah. people. Don't, don't, What's those wrong people? with you? Yeah, I mean, for real. Fucking monster. Don't give people drugs they have not said they wanted. I did have a friend in high school, though, who for his birthday wanted us to surprise dose him. Oh, with what? Uh, he said he didn't. He, Anything? He, surprise. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to somehow get messed up in the middle of the day and not know from what or from how. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huh. So we uh, sort of advanced. We, consent, cru- we crushed up some X and put it in a McDonald's soda. We went out. No, it's Chick-fil-A. We went and bought him Chick-fil-A for his birthday. And uh, we crushed up some some ecstasy and put it in his drink. And, and you didn't had, notice? He had a fantastic time. I can imagine. He noticed that, like, like an hour into it yeah i would have thought that the taste would have uh gotten to him i think it was actually in their ice dream which we never had a chick-fil-a ice dream no no very powerful tasting very good stuff interesting that's cool he also once ate a goldfish for a cigarette like a not like a goldfish cracker no no like a a live like a live wait he ate it for a cigarette yeah he really wanted a cigarette and, and somebody uh, and my buddy Frank said, "If you if you swallow that goldfish, I'll give you a cigarette." Man, I think this is on Frank. Actually, <laughs> it was on it was on all of us. We were all complicit in the goldfish eating. Oh, Anywho, man. so yeah, don't dose people unless they want you to. Yeah, 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 and eat a goldfish for a cigarette. No, don't eat goldfish. You, yeah, swallow one. You know, no, research whole. shows that fish are smarter than we previously thought. Yeah, I mean, eating animals is already like a really, uh, you know, sensitive issue, obviously, for uh, moral reasons. Um, but the idea of eating it alive seems to me to be like particularly heinous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Is it probably things that fish probably thinks it's going through one of those fun salmon shoots, you know, that those, <laughs> Wait, those like, salmon catapults, <laughs> you know, but it's salmon really just cannon. going through, yeah, the salmon cannon, but it's really just going down your esophagus into a stomach full of acid. Yeah. That's not cool, guys. Yeah. Also, you know, smoke, you don't know what cool. I'm talking about with the salmon cannon? I no, I, I don't. I thought the salmon cannon was their own incredibly powerful bodies, like going through like the last spastic amount of energy that they can consume from the fat that's on them to like swim upstream to spawn and die. It's for uh, parts of waterways that humans have interfered with through either like dams or canals or whatever that salmon can no longer uh, oh, traverse. Uh, oh, interesting. And so they set up these salmon cannons. So the salmon swims into it and then it shoots them over what yeah it's like it's like the bank teller how does it it's like a bank it's like teller a pneumatic tube, tube. <laughs> yeah it's, pneuma- it's a pneumatic tube that they put a fish i don't think through? it's actually it's pneumatic, not pneumatic because but, it's water but it's similar but, but yeah it's got like a strong current through the tube and then they just like it's just shot out oh man this to, is to, to, usually my... not like a higher it's, it's almost it's like a lock almost yeah. a much more hilarious we, Lock. We, we should use this as our wildflower. This is the coolest thing I've heard about. <laughs> learned about, you know. We already have we... another fish-related yeah. water, wildflower. It's a little teaser, folks, for the end. Stick folks. around for the end to learn about fish. Or is that our bonus episode? No, we'll, we'll do that. Oh, shit, yeah. No, one. that's for the bonus episode. Yeah. So if you uh, want to hear, if you uh, hear an interesting story about fish, go to patreon.com slash ironweeds. You thought the... You thought the you the, thought the shilling the, was over, the but shilling, well. no, it comes right back in. The shilling never ends. Yo, shilling the game. Yeah. You know what's pissed me off uh, in the last week or so? Um, what have you guys heard about this um, 
uh, entrapment uh, situation of um, ICE having formed a right all those fake... terrorists they caught right oh, all man. Of those dangerous so the dangerous uh, terrorists yep. I think I heard yeah oh no way actually it was uh, international students trying to go to a fake school that they set up. Yeah, so if you haven't uh, already read this article, we'll link it in the show notes. But um, yeah, an article came out where they described how the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency uh, created a completely fictitious um, school and then deported a whole bunch of uh, people on the grounds that they uh, were, you know, engaging in fraud by paying them to go to their fake university. It's like so evil. I'm confused so, by it. Like, I don't even really, like, so I don't here, get it. He's like, I'm like, I don't hate people enough to, like, understand <laughs> what, what the, like, what this was supposed to accomplish. Like, I don't understand. I think I, 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 think I may have been too noble. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, don't act- sweat. I actually think the, the purpose, it, it's not... It is maybe 2% less insidious than it sounds. Their targets were students who were here on student visas, but who basically their visas had lapsed either because they were no longer going to school or they they overstayed, something like that. Or, or the so, school that they were going to went under. Lost accreditation. Yeah, lost yeah. accreditation. Like a lot of people yeah. were, were... A lot of it was out of their, their control. Yeah. yeah. So the University of Farmington, a fictitious school that U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement marketed as a hub for STEM students who wanted to enroll and not interrupt their careers, had a fake name, a fake website, and a fake motto on its fake seal. Uh, Scientia et labor, the seal said, which means knowledge and work. And basically what they were, what they were offering was internships in lieu of classes. And these were students, and this is pretty common in STEM, where instead of just, you know, staying in a classroom environment, you do an internship. You get like, you know, kind of on the job experience. Yeah, it makes you that. a more uh makes you a more appealing candidate mm-hmm. when you do get into the into the hustle. And so in January, eight people who allegedly worked as recruiters for the school and collectively helped at least 600 students remain in the country under false pretenses were charged with federal conspiracy. Eight people who worked as recruiters. This is so fucked up. hired these people to be recruiters and then arrested them. And then here's what's really uh, dark. Seven of the eight recruiters in their 20s and 30s pled guilty and have been sentenced to prison time and they will have to serve a year or more in prison before being deported. So it's not even just that we're deporting these people because they're here, uh, you know, uh, overstaying their visas or whatever else we're going to imprison you for a year. Then we're going to, and then we're going to kick you out. Like how it's just like sadistic, man. And also like the, it undercuts their entire motive, uh, that they, you know, purport to have for trying to get these people out of the country in the first place, that they're a drag on resources or blah, blah, blah. Like what? So you're going to, on the taxpayer, uh, dole, uh, incarcerate and engage these human beings whose only crime has been, you know, potentially overstaying their like legal paperwork or being dumb enough to be caught in your trap where you convince them to work for you and like get more, uh, good willing people, uh, kicked out of the country. Like, God damn it. This is like infuriating. Like how could they possibly, um, keep everybody who are, you know, 
created this whole uh, architectural plan of this duplicitous uh, campaign of uh, trying to get uh, people to enroll in higher education just to be like, knock it the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah. It's uh, like, and to your point, Chris, about, um, you know, like, use of resources, you know, like, you really shouldn't worry because uh, the fake university that I set up also charged the students tuition. Uh, 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 so, uh, um, holy students shit. that uh, graduate programs, uh, th- these students paid twenty five hundred dollars per quarter, at, at, or, or an average cost of about a thousand dollars a month. Uh, so, so that like the ice collected like millions of dollars in doing this. Holy yeah. fucking shit! Yeah. yeah. So don't worry. It's probably you know they're at least breaking even. What are they going to do with that money? Is that going to go to like you know local schools, or is that you know just going to be into more you know robot dogs on the border yeah, wall? Right. You know. Yeah, you know, I was um yesterday having lunch or dinner. Was it dinner? It was four o'clock. Dinner. Uh, yeah, it was a dinner. Nice dinner. Yeah, with um Delilah Yunid, the uh, um woman who was stopped by. Um, Troy PD for rolling through a stop sign or maybe it was a Rensselaer Sheriff's I don't remember no it was Troy PD uh, and then Troy PD held her illegally and they know that and you know that they know it was illegal because uh, they deleted all records of holding her oh wow uh, afterward and then um, and she got deported and she they tried to deport her because she fell out of status and she was uh, kept for four months in an ice detention facility in Batavia in western New York uh, away from her two kids and and she just recently got her green card so we uh, uh, through a lot of organizing and hard work and you know bravery on her part you know she's she's going to do great now but uh you know yeah you, you like you, you just like hear her story and like all the crap that she had to go through and um you know like you think about like trying to sue ice for do for anyone for doing this kind of thing and it's like impossible he's yeah. like there's no I like you know like george bush made ice as part of department of homeland security in like 2002 or something and uh there's really there's like no precedent for how to sue them and like they're and, not accountable to anyone yeah they're not accountable to anyone and especially since like all the people that would have standing right to sue ice almost never have like any legal protections right so you're never going to fight them in court because sometimes they're not even american citizens and they don't have standing in court you know like, yeah, right? and, you know? and a lot of americans would be like exactly so they didn't yeah. do anything wrong so right, yeah you, you, right. you know curb stomp their entire family like yeah. right now and like you know it's like it it's fucked up this yeah. is totally fucked up like and you know like a lot of these students were uh from india they're international students so imagine you come from and a lot of having worked with a lot of students from india when i was a grad student at rpi working in the writing center um a lot of them come from like rural parts of india their parents have basically like scrounged and saved farm. and and used every drop of resources they have to send their child to the United States to get a STEM degree so that they can come back and get, you know, the, the tech industry in India is booming. And so, um, you know, the, the stakes are really high for a lot of these students. Now imagine that you're at a university, uh, either it loses its accreditation or you're failing out. You know that your visa is dependent on you being a student and you find this place uh, and the tuition is reasonable. And on top of that, they let you do internships to, you know, in lieu of classes to get credit to your agree, degree. That sounds like, you know, a gift from God. If you're in these kids, these students, I shouldn't call them kids, these students positions. It's so 
fucking super villain predatory that it almost like it's just one of those instances that coming out of the last decade that is like hard to even believe is real. Like it yeah. sounds like it's in a comic book. Yeah. It's, one, it's one of those uh, cruelty is the point. So abolish ice. And if you, yes. and if you Yesterday. care about abolishing ice, there is exactly one person running for president who wants to abolish ice. And his name is Senator brother, Bernard Winston Sanders. His middle name is not Winston. I don't know what his middle <laughs> name is, but that'd be kind of cool. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would be even cooler if his name was, if his middle name was bro. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie bro Sanders. Or, or fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Petition to, for Bernie Sanders to change his middle name to fucking. <laughs> but unfortunately you, you may not even know that about Bernie because there is an extensive coordinated corporate media blackout on our boy, Bernard Sanders. Uh, by the notoriously conservative, nay, I say, verging on fascist and authoritarian. Oh, no, never mind. It's MSNBC. Sorry, I got confused. There. <laughs> no, you were, you were right. You were, <laughs> you were on the right track. You were on the right track. <laughs> yeah. And before we dive too deep into uh, um, the media blackout around Bernie Sanders, I do want to make one quick connection to ICE and labor, which is sort of in class, which is what Bernie is always talked about as. And that's... Uh, you know, in that New Orleans um, hard rock casino that was being built that collapsed, they uh, uh, they were hiring a lot of undocumented workers. And one of them, uh, an out-of-status worker, was complaining to his boss about how, like, he would... You know, he was, like, taking measurements and saw that, like... Things this, weren't code. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, or the, the building was obviously leaning. You know, like, there was, like, something fundamentally wrong with the structure, and they wouldn't... They weren't listening to him, and... Uh, and now that it's collapsed, he's blowing the whistle on it and ICE is deporting him. Another uh, example of how everything is connected that, you know, like that's what intersexual intersectionalism actually means, right? Is that, yeah. you know, like that, that uh, you, you can, when you do the, the right analysis in an intersectional class analysis, you find that, you know, ICE does the job of your employer by keeping all workers like scared, right? And you can play them off of each other. And uh, when you don't like what workers are doing, you know, you can call ICE and get them all rounded up and sent away, which happens all, you know, like this is obviously not the first time it happened, it's happened and it's not, it hasn't just started happening under Trump, like, you know, under Obama, yeah. you'd, consta- you'd constantly have this problem where like you, you like either someone was sexually harassed at the workplace or they're starting to blow the whistle on like how the you know, like a, a chicken processing plant is being run. Yeah. And like, if you just see like something's going wrong, you call ice, they sweep it all and, uh, uh you know, deport everyone. And then you just get brand new people that, uh, don't know each other. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's how you keep, uh, uh, workers, uh, separated, but Bernie Sanders is going to change all that. Right. Well, probably not, but he wants to, <laughs> and that's good enough reason for me to vote for him. Did you, you know? did you hear the, uh, recent interview he did with, um, uh, Chris Matthews? Well, hardball, Chris Matthews. I cannot listen to Chris Matthews. <laughs> oh, I cannot, yeah. I cannot expose myself to him because yeah. he just makes me, he makes me want to like 
rip my my ears off. T- tell tell me tell me why no, I don't you're... Even, I don't even want you to do <laughs> why, your. Why do the children like you? You know you're really old like me. Why does my nephew like me? <laughs> I tell I tell him about I tell him about Kennedy. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Oh man. Uh, but yeah. So there was a thing that he basically was confronted uh, by Chris Matthews about the, um, uh, you know, what are you going to do when you get in office that's somehow going to like be actually effective? Like, you know, you're going to be hitting the same obstacles and his whole thing is like, Chris, you don't get it. What I'm trying to do is put millions of angry people in the streets to demand that their government listen to them and what is works for them. And like, he just kept drilling on being the um, uh, organizer in chief. And like, that is a interesting campaign promise. Because essentially that says, hey, Americans, this shit's on you. It's always been on you. And I will remind you every day if I get in office how it's still on you. And ultimately, if you guys want your, you know, uh, society to, you know, go to lighten up a little bit. There's this uh, thing in engineering school at RPI, they called the toot screw. And it was like this. It was this. Yeah. Tell me what the toot screw is. Yeah. The toot screw. It was the Institute screw. And that the idea was that they showed this ratcheting mechanism that caused a screw to only get tighter, depending on whether you turn this knob like left or right, it only goes one way. It only ratchets up in terms of, you know, its tightness. And if you uh, get screwed by uh, the point, of having that well the idea is it's a descriptor of like i think the the institute right the Mm -hmm. rpi right like that um it only screws you like you know you can't really do much to it right Uh as three former rpi students i think we can all attest to the fact that it only screws you yeah Yeah. (laughs) and and that that's sort of the way uh when you were talking about ice earlier and how i'm reminded of the fact that it only existed in what like 1996 or something. 2002. Yeah, yeah, 2002. It's 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's post 9-11. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that it didn't exist at all, but now it seems almost politically infeasible to uh, get rid of. Yeah, completely indispensable. How would you ever yeah, imagine? Well, when it's proven itself to be nothing more than an American Gestapo that's, you know, enacting racist policing of, um, you know, people in America and enforcing a... Um, racially motivated immigration system and its sole existence is to like cruelly punish black and brown people yes. coming into the, yeah yes and uh that you know like that's like the toot screw it's like we need to come up with a way of re-engineering a solution to that and what bernie sanders keeps saying is like there's no institutional uh instrument to destroy the master's house like we need to have a revolution in the sense of like actual millions of people in the streets, like protesting and and holding government uh, accountable and shutting shit down basically to uh, engage in a class fight of like the 99% against the 1% to like get at least in America, a level of livability to the average person that is currently being denied. Mm -hmm. And that um, strategy, who knows whether it'll work. Right. Like, I think that it has a better chance of working than, you know, reaching across the aisle to, <laughs> you know, to I the don't Republicans. Know, Chris, bipartisanship has served us very well. The yeah. last, uh, you know, we got a couple of libraries named. 
Mm. Um, a post office, we, probably. I post think Beto. I think that was we, the one thing Beto ever did in Congress. Yeah, right? we got get the a uh, post office renamed. We got the fuck. What's the act called that took away all our rights to privacy? Patriot Act. Patriot, yeah, the Patriot Act. Yeah. Act has been you know reinstated every year. Yep. Military budgets passed. All, Bipartisanship all, works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's it's, it's wild. When you think about the political makeup of the um, context for the original New Deal, you know, because Bernie's calling himself an FDR round two kind of uh, mm-hmm. candidate, there isn't that political constituency makeup like in the United States right now. Like you made this joke uh, back in like episode four, but it was a deal. Like it was a deal between capital and a, you know, near insurrectionary a proletariat in the United States that was like, you know, coming to give us shit or we will kill you and burn down. Your yes. Buildings. Yes. Yeah. There were, you know, people... if you want a new deal, you have to be at the table dealing. Right. And there have to be stakes. Yeah. Like, there has the, to be a threat. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the, the, the terroristic threat of violence that was, you know, existed then in like the far left movement, I think wasn't the thing itself, but rather it was a natural, um, result of the political reality of that many people organizing, agitating, and propagandizing for material gains in their, um, you know, best interest. And that that is something that we only have like a hint of, right? Like we have the Occupy movement, we have Black Lives Matter. Now, you know, there's like a, 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 a movement for, you know, uh, this Democratic Socialist candidate, Bernie Sanders, and a lot of working class people recognizing how much the system is like fucked, but to the degree that they can be organized to represent a real, um, a, a body that has the capability of bringing conflict directly to the ruling class. That is ultimately like, I think what's necessary to, to drive the types of changes that, you know, both Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders talk about wanting to actually get through. Cause like yeah. you need to get the majority of at least the Democratic Party, to align with a very anti-ruling class-like policy agenda. And that that would require a huge mobilization of, you know, uh, people to the left in this country, you know? So we we started this by talking, we were going to talk about the blackout, the media blackout. I don't think we've we've even really gotten to that. But But it's it's really pretty stark, right? You know, uh, and this is from In These Times, where they've looked at how MSNBC covered the top three candidates being uh, Sanders, Biden, and Warren. And to me, this is the most compelling argument that proves that Bernie Sanders will actually is capable of making substantive change because MSNBC is spending a great deal of time trying to make sure that he does not get elected. Hmm. Um, So clearly, like somebody is uh, he's doing something concerned about his rise to power. So in these times did like a pretty thorough analysis of MSNBC coverage of the primary candidates. And um, they analyzed the network's August and September coverage of uh, Democratic presidential contest leading candidates, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden and Liz Warren. So the coverage uh, quickly revealed a pattern, they say, um, over the two months that they that they were looking at these programs. Oh, I should say what, the, what they are. Right. So it's. um. Uh, starting with the Rachel Maddow show, that's the most popular show. And then after that is uh, Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell. I think the Rachel Maddow show might be the number one most watched cable news yeah. channel. Yeah, now it is. Yeah. Ever since uh, Russia. Uh, oh, God. Uh, the Beat with Ari Melber, on with Chris Hayes, Hardball with Chris Matthews, and then <laughs> The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. 
And uh, all those shows, over the two months that they watched those six programs, uh, uh, it focused on Biden, often to the exclusion of Warren and Sanders. Sanders received not only the least total coverage, less than a third of Biden's, but the most negative. As to the substance, MSNBC's reporting uh, revolved around poll results and so-called electability, which is... Uh, you know, always this like self-fulfilling prophecy, electability, right? Where you're like, well, what what makes them electable? Is well because they're likely to get elected. Like, well, what makes them likely to get elected? Their electability. You know, it's, it's like, it doesn't mean anything, right? It's just like it's just like you know, like, a me- like the media class just likes them. Yeah, right? it's, 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 just a, seem... it's a buzzword for uh, you know, jives with the status quo, yeah. which is like you know the obviously what the political you know uh, direction is. Yeah, and so they, they, they uh, in these times makes this like direct comparison to the 2016 election, where you know they mentioned that you know Donald Trump got what is equivalent of like two billion dollars of free media by them just like constantly talking about him. Yeah, but wasn't it so funny when he went on SNL? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone remember that? <laughs> and it was right? really funny when he let uh, whatever late night Joker that was touch his hair. Like, wasn't that wasn't that so charming? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so. Yeah, so the the you know like they're, they're basically as they say in the article you know like re, you know like repeating history where you know they, they're going to let Biden you know like just like let his face fall apart while <laughs> on television for as long as possible you <laughs> know but brain. but you know like I mean if they if they were to do this again I bet they'd probably put Buttigieg in here because you know as they say he's in strong fourth right and uh, he from the beginning has got <laughs> <laughs> He right? you know, okay yeah, wait, wait, wait one second joe biden <sighs> called that guy fat right yeah he did we everyone heard that like i don't know what, why no when? one's no one's mentioned that yeah in it, that in that in that back and f- when he f- argues with that guy at the town hall yeah i don't see anyone saying like he clearly calls the guy fat what did he say uh oh, the guy the guy in this the, what did joe biden say to call Buttigieg fat no 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 okay okay so the guy so, jo- town call. so, so jo- joe biden was asked a question at a town hall you know when he's taking questions from the audience and he and, and it was stri- about ukraine or the guy's yeah. like okay yeah which is of course the people are going to start asking this they're like this whole thing is about how you did give your son hunter a fifty thousand dollar a month job at like a gas company in the in ukraine, ukraine even though he knows nothing about ukraine or gas <laughs> yeah, right. and that it was like you know this is like this is corruption right, right like, this yeah. is like you that's know that's how meritocracy works you guys. <laughs> right stop yeah. being so naive i'm sure he was the best man for yeah, you. Just yeah. like, it was like such an awesome job nancy pelosi of like picking the fir- the like the one thing that implicates your leading candidate right you know <laughs> like in corruption also like let's keep that in the headlines for months but yeah, uh, and so, yeah, so he's like mentioning, he's like talking about that, and Joe Biden like flips out, and he's like, "No, man, you got it wrong." I think he says exactly well, that. He then goes on to saying, "Hey, I got it together more than anybody. You want to come up here and do some push-ups with me? You want an IQ test? Let's go, Buster!" Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> no malarkey. Yeah, so oh yeah, so he like treats, no he, yeah, he uh, um, uh, challenges the guy to a push-up contest, and just at some point he goes, "Hey, you look know what? Fat. Look, yeah, he's like, uh, look fat, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and then he cuts himself off in that Joe Biden way. Yeah. But I, it's clear he was going to say, like, it looks like he wanted to say, hey, look, you fat fuck. Like, it, like that's what it looked like he was going to say. Yeah. And then, like, you know, so, you know his, his brain chip kicked. His I mean, if he starts saying shit like that, like, he may actually wind up being the best person to beat Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If yeah. his brain doesn't start leaking out of his ears first. Yeah. I, we, Although I'm not even sure that matters anymore. The, it's not the debate we need. 
But it's the debate we deserve. We deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just an hour and a half of them arguing about low, low flow toilets. Oh man! And just like, do you remember that Seinfeld episode where these hairs all all messed up because of the low flow shower head? The uh, the King of the Hill episode about low flow toilets yeah. also rules. Yeah, oh, was, I, just I, as an aside. Yeah. All right, yeah. I gotta go. The nineties are back, baby. The nineties are back. Low flow toilets are political again. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so i thought and i thought one of the things that it comes from that in these times piece uh you know the plural of anecdote is data but uh, zerlina maxwell airing one of bernie sanders speech while they were airing one of bernie sanders speeches i think it might have been at his rally she says uh he did not mention race or gender until 23 minutes into his speech when in fact he mentioned it in like the third sentence of his speech like multiple times he mentioned it like he talked in depth about race and gender several times within the first one. So it's just like such a, I don't understand if that is gross incompetence, if it is like malicious, if it is like, where does that lie? And this is what is so confusing to me about this type of coverage and yeah. this like very blatant desire to like not see Sanders succeed is that like, what is it just, it's almost like just this zeitgeist has been created that has so much momentum behind it that it's unstoppable. And that zeitgeist being that Bernie has a problem with women, with people of color, uh, that he is too loud and too angry, and he doesn't have any specifics in his plans. And none of those are true, except he's a little loud. But otherwise, like, none of those are true. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just become this myth that, like, cable news, and MSNBC in particular, it's, it's like a train going off the rails. Like, they cannot... And I don't know. Like I, I mean, it's the same thing that they do to Corbyn in the UK, where they, right. they talk about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. And now you, you were sending something in the group chat, Brittany, about how like now they're like they're saying that, that like there's like a Russian plot to convince UK people, the people in the UK that uh, you UK people, <laughs> people in the UK that the that the NHS uh, being sold to American insurance companies is like fake news through uh, made through russia or something no um so or was leaked by russia yeah yeah. so what happened is these these tory documents were leaked that was going to be about i think it had to do with both no deal brexit and um uh trade deals through any with the nhs and the united states um and these documents were leaked and now (laughs) reddit (laughs) what a fucking weird fucking world we live in Reddit has discovered that these documents were leaked in a coordinated campaign with Russia. Right. So now the story becomes not that Corbyn is working with Russia to defeat the Tories. Instead of the Tories are trying to sell the National Health Service to American and shooting companies. for a no yeah, yeah. exit. Yeah, yeah, right. And, and like, and, which is and it's the just the exact same thing that happened, like during Black Lives Matter, where like you would say that, oh, well, I, these Black Lives Matter activists like went on RT, and so now you know, like it's it, Russians are just trying to sow divisions in American me- uh, American culture and society. Which they, they, they are. Which they are, but like the fact, sure. is, but like yeah. the, that. Like the divisions are important, though. Yeah, right? exactly. right. well, I, I, and, and a lot. Of, a that's lot why of I like RT. Right. Well, yeah, a lot of it is because, like, no, because MSNBC does this, right? Where they, where like yeah. a quarter, of, like the quarter of the stories that they looked at only mentioned Biden. Yeah. So you know, it was like, and because they don't let in any other like topics, there's yeah. like this huge demand 
for people to actually talk about real issues. Yeah. And then there's RT being like, hey, yeah, you want to talk about, you want Jesse Ventura to talk to you <laughs> about why, yeah. why, why you, you, uh, the Atlanta doesn't hate, you know, hates black people? Well, yes, come on. You know, like, like of course, yeah. like that's going to come on, yeah. you know? And, and, like, and, and the, I think you're, you're correctly uh, pointing this out, that if you try to, you know, sort of break the idea of like the mainstream media into various groups, you understand that like it's all privately owned media outlets for political purposes that are very explicit and either that are incredibly obvious and implicit. Like you have uh, Russia Today, which is a spokespiece for the Russian state. So they like say, hey, immortal technique, uh, amazing <laughs> underground right, yeah. MC. Come on and uh, just speak your piece yeah. about American imperialism and the need to uh, overthrow. And that shit rules. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, eat it your does. vegetables, chemtrails are real. And yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, so, like, here's my hot take on Russia. Yep. It is one of the most corrupt governments in the world. It is an oligarchy run by rich people. Putin is potentially the richest person in the entire world. He has ruled Russia for over a decade um, or almost a decade. I can't remember. Uh, And when they help get Donald Trump elected, which I am probably among the minority on the left who believe that, yeah, I think Russia played a role in the election. Um, And I don't think that's surprising. And I don't think that's like, I'm not pearl clutching over it. That's just what powerful nations do to each other all the fucking time. And when Russia tries to get Donald Trump elected, I don't like that. When Russia Great. tries to get the Tories, uh, oh, you know, oh it, like in the mud, oh, yeah, I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah. When RT, like, you know, posts like propaganda about how Ukraine will benefit from being part of Russia, I don't like that. Yeah. When RT brings a moral technique on to like dunk on Maryland Western imperialism, I like that. Yeah. And so, my you know enemy what? is my friend. Yeah. yeah. Like, how about we just start seeing Russia as like sort of chaotic neutral <laughs> and fucking use them when you want and like. Fight like against that. them yeah. when you don't. And yeah. that's just like, that's just the world that we live in. There's it, no, you're not going to beat a corrupt, a powerful corrupt nation yeah. by like impeaching Trump. I'm sorry. Like that's not, that has no material effect in the world. That's true. Um, so in the same way that RT is this obvious, uh, you know, loud piece, uh, loudspeaker for the, um, the Russian state, you have MSNBC, CNN, um, as you know, they're mouthpieces of the democratic party. And right? MSNBC was owned by GE for like, like a really long time, Is like a weapons still? manufacturer. Yeah. Well, now they're Comcast. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so they represent the, 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 they're the mouthpiece of the democratic party, um, uh, propaganda machine in the same way that Fox news and Breitbart are the loud piece mouthpieces of the, uh, are the mouthpieces of the, uh, conservative, uh, uh, movement and the Republican party. And these are propaganda engines. And so, I think the way to view what you're seeing from uh, CNBC and MSNBC and um, CNN is, is that the Democratic Party establishment and specifically the capital uh, friendly wing of it, the part that owns a large uh, material stake in the for profit media um, you know, conglomerates that they own, they have a, a very real interest in having their um, ha- having the status quo protected. And so if they are ignoring Bernie Sanders. It's probably because Bernie Sanders uh, has a very real chance of upsetting the apple cart that they are currently, you know, feasting from. I think along those lines, Chris, like there's a certain naivete among particularly like moderates and moderate libs to see news media. And here I'm talking about 
the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, CNN, as like these benevolent, almost that they provide us some kind of service. Yeah, the fourth you know? estate. Yeah, but like they like that they're enfranchising, that they keep uh, uh they keep a votership informed and able yeah. to you know they 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 help us understand the mechanisms of society in ways that are useful but it's their propaganda it is all propaganda it all serves a corporate interest and every once in a while they may do something right i think that like a lot of rachel maddow's coverage of the flint water crisis and of the um republican legislative state level legislative attempts to have like functionally outlaw abortion she covered that a lot and it's great it's too bad she has like terminal russia brain at this point it's when i stopped listening to her but like it is so, so important that we in this country do a better job. Like like the UK does really good work in adult media literacy, I think. Mm. A lot of it came specifically out of the um, Birmingham, Birmingham Center Birmingham. for Cultural Studies, uh, teaching adults how to decode messages in media to see like what what is the ruling class trying to communicate with you. Mm. We have not done as good of a job of that in this country. Um, but all of these are instances in which uh, we we have to improve people's ability to see through the kind of smokescreen of objectivity that every single news outlet purports to have. You're now seeing like factual reporting in the opinion in the opinion columns and opinion columns in factual reporting. And it's just gotten so messy and fucked up. And and we have no educational apparatus to help people see what's actually happening. And especially since like. All of this is fairly new or like there's a this weird thing that happens where the this blip, you know, this this small moment uh, in the middle of the 20th century where most people were listening to uh, just a small handful of news outlets. Right. You know, like the uh, the Walter Walter Cronkite Cronkite, kind of. Right. The icons. And that that is such an abnormality in the long history of America, of, of not just American, but like just like global like communication that uh and, and we think that that's like the standard or normal when in fact what's really no- what what is normal if you take it to be take normal to be like what's been prevalent for most of human like mass communication is like partisan papers and like say in stating your viewpoint and then reporting from that viewpoint and then and people are smart enough to either triangulate their uh, uh you know like what actually happened from different sources or by just like deciding well what's important is this truth that i have either that you know like all you know workers of the world unite or you know the rich people are anointed by god you know whatever thing you whatever thing you or believe whites are superior right like, yeah yeah you take that that truth uh that or the thing that's true for you and yeah you know, and then filter that through all the facts of the world and that's how people actually like understand things that's how it's been since the earliest days of print media and early newspapers they were all partisan there was no they they were very few and far but in fact like the new york times was really one of the first like major example of a uh a journalistic outlet that tried to be nonpartisan, which is how it became the paper of record and the Mm. great lady and all that shit but prior to that like Yes, all publications, all news publications were explicitly partisan. And in my opinion, that's a much more honest and effective way of reporting news because you know exactly what you're getting. You don't have to guess what the ulterior motives are. You know that this is a communist magazine or newspaper, and they're telling you things from a communist perspective. 
so it's like the the the, the subreddits right you yeah, got, yeah you know if you see something <laughs> on the front page that uh comes from r slash the donald you know exactly how much credence to give it in what specific dimensions as you do say r slash politics which is itself a de facto like democratic establishment um subreddit you know like uh it's like yeah, well and even when i see like our communism shilling for you know china and, and oh yeah dissing the hong kong <laughs> protests and i'm right. like okay yeah like, I, I agree with a bunch of the stuff on our communism mm-hmm and then they do this shit and yeah you know so yeah did you guys see the tiktok that went viral where the girl's like uh curling her eyelashes and she's going through the steps of curling her eyelashes with the eyelash curler and then she's just like and then use the phone you're using right now stop this video and uh research the uh the uyghurs in china and what's being done to them the modern detention camps it's modern day holocaust and nobody's paying attention to it and uh tiktok famously owned by a uh, chinese uh company they there's like a uh, legislative I think that is going around potentially trying to like ban it or whatever because of the fact that there's like, you know, they say like user privacy information because like the Chinese state like yeah. largely has access to it. But uh, it became a viral uh, sensation because she used that platform to uh, raise awareness of the uh, on- ongoing thing. Yeah, I mean, at, the, at the very least, we should be like looking at the um, the political economy of like if you do really want to get to that uh unbi- that so-called unbiased like Walter Cronkite era of media look at the at the material conditions that brought it about and it was media companies that still saw their news segment as a loss leader that gave them prestige right and like they they, they did they did not they explicitly did not try to make that like a source of revenue uh, it was it w- it gave them political purchase in other areas and was important for for other non monetary reasons uh, or not explicitly directly monetary reasons and and that that produced a very different kind of media and if you want that you have to change like how media is how, how news media is financed and it was a also the change was also the result of gutting of government legislation that required news media to you know, fairness doctrine, the fairness stuff. doctrine. Yeah. Um, that was gutted, I think maybe during the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't even know if it's worth trying to get back to some imagined. There's, there's like a nostalgia for objective journalism that I don't actually think ever existed the way that we think it does. And we should put objective in scare quotes. Yeah. Right? There it's, definitely, it's always from a perspective. Yeah. But there's one perspective that is even privileged if, to look like objective. Even if that perspective, like you look at something like the AP, which I would say is the most bare bones, fact based reporting entity that we have, or at least among them. But now you get into questions of like, okay, well, what gets reported? And that in and of itself is a frame so that even if you're not doing explicit punditry and opinion, the very fact that you cover some stories over others, the fact that you consider some sources legitimate and others not like those are also propagandistic yeah. in their own way. I mean, there's no way to edit, have any editorial control with all also having, you know, a bias, which is going to be represented by either at the minimum, the editors themselves, the people that are doing it, or more likely some more self-conscious institutional framework, which determines what is good or not good for the interests of that, you know, paper. <clears throat> And I like, I just have to, this is only tangentially related, but fucking Hillary fucking Clinton going on Howard Stern, bitching about how Bernie, bitching about how Bernie didn't drop out soon enough when 
Number one, in 2008, she hung on way past the point in which it was clear she was not going to be elected against the first black president. Second, she even admitted as such in a 20 in an interview, I think it was in 2015 or 2016, that like she wouldn't of course she wouldn't hold it against Bernie for not dropping out because she had done the same thing in 2008. And now for her to play like, you know, the cool, uh, the cool aunt who, you know, just like, like free milk, chocolate for free, everyone, free chocolate milk yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Nah, ha, ha. You oh, know, oh, yeah. it's chocolate just so, milk, not milk chocolate. Yeah, That's it's totally just so different. fucking <laughs> despicable. It's so transparently you know between that between her laughing about the epstein thing that that she did on trevor noah's show like she is just you know before the campaign in 2016 i knew that she was just a despicable awful person and like now it's just so mask off that it's you know it's really like just Fuck her, like fuck Hillary Clinton. Yeah. That's my that's my controversial take. <laughs> Is it, isn't it weird that like, okay, so so chocolate milk is mostly milk with a little bit of chocolate. <laughs> You're in still it. on this, huh? <laughs> but but milk chocolate is mostly chocolate with a little bit of milk. Yeah, and why but the milk? But the the first word is the smallest ingredient in both of those things. That's so. And weird. interestingly, the milk which is a liquid, yeah. is what keeps milk chocolate solid. Yeah. And chocolate is a liquid otherwise. Oh, what the fuck? shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. But yeah, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> also to go on like Howard Stern, I don't know, I just like... I, Yo, I can't think... I, I, like really I, I old. can't I lie. I, I listened to a lot of Howard Stern when I was in high school. So my did bro- I. My I, brother... You know, uh, no, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to like... Cr- clutch pearls about howard stern but like one like they're they're both uh, like multi-millionaires his net worth right. is a 650 million dollars yeah. yeah between the two of them they're worth like a billion dollars and they're sitting there laughing about you know how absurd it is where's the money gonna come from for all this chocolate milk it's gonna come from you motherfuckers <laughs> you're gonna buy us all chocolate milk and you're gonna send our children into pre-k so that we can actually uh hold down our fucking wage stagnant jobs to pay for our exorbitantly priced apartments like fuck you for laughing about that shit while you're like probably sitting on a golden couch like eating grapes off of a 14 year old sex slave boob like you're all fucking evil corrupt pieces of shit go off drop drop man yeah if the the mic weren't attached to some sort of like armature thing yeah you would have dropped it i would have dropped it yeah it's also expensive. It's kind of expensive yeah. piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah, it's not yours. It's Chris's. So no, I know. It's not mine. Don't drop it. Yeah. It's the people's money. It's the yeah, people's, it's people's money. Money. <laughs> Should we talk about this Lyme disease yeah. vaccine? Oh, shit. The go- U.S. government and its research programs, the cause and solution to all of your Lyme disease problems. <laughs> <laughs> so OG Ironweeds listeners will remember our uh, in-depth study of Lyme disease and government uh, bioweapons programs that developed ticks designed to make a population uh, alive but sick and unable to um, build up any kind of defense against an invasion. Yeah, rob their vitality. All right. And the the book that we took a lot of that from was Bitten. It's a super controversial topic. Um, mm. And a lot of people would basically call what we reported in that episode, like bunk science and conspiracy theory. But uh, 
you know, conspiracy theories often are just uh, facts that haven't been declassified yet. So I stick by that reporting. Yeah. Or like if you look at uh, that that movie Men in Black, right? Like the the tip sheets are like the examiner, like. It's true. Yeah. 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 uh, The examiner has broken actually some like really like important news stories. Isn't isn't that how we found out about uh, um, Trump and Stormy Daniels? No, actually what that was, was Uh um, the Inquirer paid for stormy daniels oh, yeah, it was yeah. a, they tried to kill what the story it, whatever, there's yeah. a name for it okay like, right yeah. yeah so so it was like they the, bought they bought the rights to the story she signed an nda and yeah, then they yeah. didn't publish it but yeah, anyway yeah. yeah okay so so uh boston's local public radio station wbur which i hope they call themselves wilbur wbur wilbur okay uh uh they have something up that says uh, coming soon human testing of springtime shot against lyme disease it opens really nicely. Uh, Brittany, do you want to do it since you're the, the professional Absolutely. narrator? Yeah. This is my fantasy. I can once again venture out into the New England woods without tucking my pants into white socks, without spraying my shoes with insect repellent, without fear. It can only be realized when we have fully effective protection against Lyme disease. So, I'm closely following the progress of Massachusetts researchers who are developing an anti-Lyme injection meant to last several months, long enough to get through tick season. The second paragraph doesn't read quite as well. Yeah, but, but, that, but that's cool, right? Like, it's very that's, exciting. That's, that's very, very exciting. So, uh, personal story. When our uh, very large and strong boy, Fred the cat, mm-hmm. escaped, um, he was up in trees he was in very tall grass he was and i was like following him everywhere trying i wasn't trying to catch him because you cannot catch him because he is very strong yeah he is stronger than me this is a cat you can see his rippling muscles (laughs) under his fur i'm not even joking yeah he's an absolute unit he's He's, a buff baby that can dance like a man he really is yeah yeah um he does a lot of parkour he's in very good shape and but i was like trump and it was also like prime leaf season this was when like all the leaves are on the ground not yet cleaned up so i'm tromping through all these leaves it's freezing outside and i'm basically just like following him following him around the cemetery and the pretty big lot that we live on just trying to make sure that he's like okay and trying to like talk him into yeah talk him and i'm i'm not like being metaphorical here i am trying to talk him into coming home yeah like fred talk it's cold out here the, the, the don't tree. you want some wet food i have some treats for you don't you want to come back inside anyway you're being very convincing <laughs> i i know right i was making my case i pulled off like seven or eight ticks off of my body uh, they weren't attached none yeah, of them had like attached yet but they were in. in my clothes and if i hadn't been hyper vigilant like basically every time i would go out and look for them i would come in and i would immediately like strip down put everything i was wearing in the wash machine um and they would just like be falling out of my clothes oh wow and then i would set them on fire um because it's cool <laughs> as you and do. so yeah so we all live here in troy and this whole area part of the um the berkshires like we're in like prime lime country oh yeah we have the highest incidence of lime disease in in the country so this is like super exciting yeah yeah and apparently the, so there's been i didn't know there's a lyme disease vaccine for dogs for a while what dogs can get lyme disease yeah 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 Jesus. unfortunately uh yeah. r.i.p little river yeah i think he had lyme who 
uh, Little River, my my fr- my friend's dog. Oh. Yeah, R.I.P. Well, he, I I don't think he died from Lyme, but just like old age. Um, yeah. But yeah. So um uh the company is called a uh, Mass Biologics and uh they're from Massachusetts and it's a 125 year old company that um also made the first uh, diphtheria serum huh. uh which comes from horses yeah. Uh, horses horses uh but this uh this one um does not involve horses <laughs> as the article says uh it is made in a steel tank from cells oh cells yes, nice just cells i mm. uh, love them cells you know i've been meaning to pick up some cells at the market i keep forgetting <laughs> so this is what they call a, a, in the biz a pre-exposure prophylaxis so uh you have to get the shot and then it will prevent lyme disease you can't get lyme disease take this shot and it puts takes it away does it give you a tiny bit of lyme disease yeah does it give so, you a tiny bit of the bacterium yeah yeah so that, that's also the thing is like none of us are ever are going to be useful in the clinical trials because they have to do the clinical trials in places where Lyme is not prevalent because they want to test whether yeah. or not you have the antibodies. Yeah. And if you have the antibodies because you have like, been were exposed, exposed to it, yeah. then that's useless. So all the, um, all the testing is being done in places where there's no Lyme disease. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a, a pre-exposure prophylaxis is, um, uh, 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 abbreviated prep. And uh, that's the sa- it's the same system that they're using for uh, uh, against HIV. Interesting, is a, a, a prep uh, vaccine system. It'll be interesting to see how because one of the things that we covered in our Lyme disease episode was um, the way that uh, doctors and other kind of institutions in the you know medical industry I will call it an industry because it is. Yeah own patents on um, testing procedures and treatment procedures and all of this. And that uh, sort of works to try to maintain a status quo of the current state of Lyme and not leave much room for more innovative Mm. testing procedures and treatments and stuff. And there are a lot of problems with the testing procedures and a lot of problems with the treatments. It'll be, and there was a lot of pushback from these, many of them just doctors who own these patents who sit on the boards of you know health industries uh in this country who have who have tried to stymie progress on a vaccine you're pushing this to me like i need to read it Uh, the the last two the last two paragraphs of the story are about how the the industry isn't really interested in vaccines okay yeah this is great so to those who question whether public money should be spent developing a shot against lyme disease klempner um who i Klempner is, the, is it like the person him. that they're that they're referencing that they're talking to at Mass Biologics. But I feel like I remember him from that book. But anyway, mm. Klempner responds that there is a great deal of reticence among investors to bet on vaccines. It's a very difficult economic model, he says. Yeah, it <laughs> it is. Right, yeah, which shouldn't be a problem not, in a scene rational. He's society. framing it yeah. as will this be profitable? Right. Yeah. Which is a question. Yeah. But I think a deeper question is, will it abut against a previously existing kind of institutional practice of, of not want, explicitly not wanting to develop these vaccines because it will then render all of these very profitable uh, uh, current practices. Mm. You know, every time somebody gets that test for Lyme disease, that guy gets, you know, whatever he gets, it could be three cents, it could be three bucks, who knows how much he gets. Yeah. But yeah, like that, it's, it's not even just that, oh, well, how is the vaccine going to be profitable? It's ha- actually, how is it going to disrupt the existing industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, I feel like there's a lot of central themes we keep getting back to on this podcast, 
but like decommodifying basic human needs, like the treatment of our health is absolutely required to allow for what we collectively want as the best outcome to be available because there's so many uh, mechanisms and abilities for people to use the market system and their ability to lobby governments and write rules and have relationships with doctors and, you know, all of the money that is being made, the profits from this extractive health treatment industry um, is, or, you know, sickness, illness treatment industry um, is fundamentally at odds with the actual goal we have as a shared society to like live in good health and to render the best outcomes for, you know, everybody as it relates to that. Yeah. And you know, like, even if you don't like, maybe you don't buy anything about like Lyme disease being made by the government or that too many people make too much money off of treating it uh, uh, off of like treating the symptoms instead of curing it. If, if you don't want to like believe any of that, um, you can still believe these like deep economic problems in the medical field that are definitely stopping a lot of good medicine, mm -hmm. which should, which probably most definitely, in fact, include all sorts of vaccines. And a good example, and this is from Duke University Press, is a book called uh, The Male Pill, a biography of a technology in the making by Nelly Ozshorn, is a Dutch researcher. And th that book came out in 2003, and it, it chronicles how in the 70s, uh, researchers had developed a male contraceptive pill and it, and we still, but we still don't have one for a wide variety of reasons being one that, you know, like there's, you know, patriarchy exists and dudes like don't want to, you know, don't touch my dick, <laughs> you know, like, you know like, don't, don't no, touch any of the vitality, any, any of my vitality, you know, don't touch it. And I know recently they did some studies and like, there were some really bad reactions that they are side effects yeah that that are incredibly similar to the side, side effects, effects of that hormonal women birth control yeah, that yeah, women yeah. take all the fucking time yeah right. yeah 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 but, but and, and what, what's remarkable is here this is from the summary of the book is that um Udshorn, i think that's how i don't know dutch emphasizes that the introduction of contraceptives for men depends to a great extent on changing ideas about reproductive responsibility Right. So like men yeah. don't feel like it, like re reproduction happens on their bodies, right? Yeah. Like reproduction it's your baby is, box. Yeah. It's yeah your reproduction problem. is dealt with on women's bodies or on like bodies of people that have uh, uteruses. And uh, yeah. So, it, but, and what the, what she finds, you know, like, like the world health organization was trying to like lead investigation into making the, the male birth control pill because like there are countries like India and China that would like, yes, please find more contraceptive tools in the, in the toolbox. But, um, but like America, but like America and Europe, like don't want it because they have huge industries already set up to, uh, that they are, are quite fine. Thank yeah. you. Condoms well, are a ton of fucking revenue. Yeah. Like, they're like a buck, a nut. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, a nut. yeah. Like, that's a lot. It's better yeah. than a hundred thousand a nut. If yeah. you, if you nut right in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in my studies on masculinity, um, you know, a constant sort of piece of debate was like the notion that women and only women have the final say on whether or not a child is produced and you know women like allegations of women 
uh, sperm jacking, which is like, you know, stealing sperm and putting it inside of you, hoping to get pregnant, lying about whether or not you're on the pill, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure those are overblown. I'm sure they happen, but I, not to the extent yeah. that these I mean, there's boys 8 are billion worried about it. Out there. They but, definitely have happened, but probably like a statistical noise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of interest among, I think a lot of men really want some way to, to, especially because they have a lot of skin in the game. If, if you, um, get Unless someone they're pregnant. circumcised. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, nice. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you end up having, like, if your partner ends up accidentally or purposely getting pregnant and doesn't want to abort, you will be on the hook for child support until that child is 18. And that child support can often be as much as a third of your income. Yeah. And that that's serious consequences for men. If we had a mechanism by which men could ensure that they absolutely will not get their partner pregnant... I mean, look, our generation fucks less than the boomers, okay? We fuck less than the boomers. We got to start getting less. our fuck on, y'all. Yeah. And I think that male contraception would really help a lot. Well, and here's the interesting thing about that book is that it's not only like, ooh, men don't want to be uh, like, you know, be given pills or anything like that. There's also um, a lot of medical infrastructure, like medical research infrastructure that disallows research on the pill. Right. Because you think of like, okay, so if all uh, medical research about reproductive uh, control is on women's bodies and like, oh, what are all the what do all the clinics look like and what are all how are all the clinics set up uh, and how are people trained to research and develop uh, birth control? Right. And it's like it's all geared toward women. Like it's one of those one instances where, you know, like usually women get the uh, uh, the short end of the stick with medical care because like a lot of research is done on men's bodies. Men are considered the sort of yeah. the, the default for research subjects. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so like we don't catch a lot of, uh, um, and there are usually the research subjects also. Well, Still it's because day, it's actually it's because a, women's hormonal cycles, yeah. quote unquote, big scare quotes here, get in the way of doing <laughs> oh, Jesus, research. Yeah. They can't be a control the way that men, ha men right. can. But, and so it works the opposite way. Right. And so when you, you're trying to, make uh, a male birth control pill we just don't have there it would require so much more outlay of initial capital to a, a, and training to design any sort of even research project on how to make a, a male contraception pill so like yeah and so th that's how you get like really down deep into like the it doesn't even need to be like a conspiracy right it just needs to be like the status quo is set up for these specific people to be researched on or to have like these diseases treated Right. Uh, and you can even go pretty far back into the um, the way that science is done all the way up into the like the lab uh, um, equipment manufacturers and like what their tolerances are for the different equipment that they make and how uh, how expensive different sorts of equipment are. And, like all of those things like can have some sort of shaping effect on research that gets done. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes it accumulates into uh, something that, uh, you know, has a pretty big outsized impact, which, uh, you know, which is just makes like this wicked problem that it's like really hard to solve because there's like so many factors and so many things have to change. But uh, but it, I, I hope we get a Lyme disease vaccine. That would be yeah, really so, cool. Okay. <laughs> we need a Lyme disease vaccine. We need something to keep these little swimmers under control. Yeah. Because yeah. these boys out here, they're real scared. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, okay, so like uh, real quick, instead of a male pill, there's also this um, a nonprofit research arm, uh, the Parsimus Foundation, that um, is trying to patent something called Vasagel, which is like this uh, silicone-based gel that, you're, that gets injected into 
it gets injected into the vast deferens and that and it uh rips apart uh sperm as it passes through whoa and uh um so it's it's all unviable and it's almost 100 percent effective yeah. isn't it it's like yeah it would be the most effective birth control outside today of, that that uh, exists it, outside of like a vasectomy vasectomy yeah which no, like, even it, vasectomy it, it, can can fail yeah really yeah oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, i thought they, they like literally just cut that tube completely like, well yeah do, but sometimes but it can heal back it can really? either heal yeah, back yeah. or yeah, body, there can still yeah. be transmission that just sort of it happens to what gets out of the tube and then it somehow manages to get back into the other yeah, it's, it's like, finds it, a way yeah, yeah. Right? well it's like speed you know when the bus is like going right. you know like you know reaches the other side of the bridge you know it's like oh that. yeah yeah, yeah. And the road is out and yeah it, it, yeah uh, yeah. Same, yeah. yeah um but um what was i saying oh yeah but it, but the cool thing about vasogel is that it's completely reversible you just inject uh, like saline solution and it like flushes it out whoa and uh and it's completely reversible and so it's like it's it's cheap as hell in an you know, like the procedure is very very quick and it's really effective and so it's terrifying for like the pharmaceutical industry yeah and, and is that being you know is that yeah, available right now no so last i saw they were doing clinical trials on baboons, I think. Uh, but they had already done rabbits, and rabbits worked fine. Baboons seemed to have been seemed to be going fine. And then what's interesting is, as I've been following it for a long time, they, uh, the company uh, has gone pretty much dark, and they don't give any. Uh, they used to be giving like regular updates on how they were getting through. Yeah, uh, Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah, how they're going through everything, all the um, the the steps to. Uh, getting something to market and then they're like and then they they sent out an email that was like okay we're now at the stage where we can't really tell you a lot of stuff uh because we you know we need to trade uh, you know protect some secrets or you know some trade secrets or something and then, and so now it's just like dark for a long time um, mm. but i i hope that that um that, you know, that works out it's pretty incredible because the the methods of birth control really other than condoms are all invasive into women's bodies like every existing method of birth control save for condoms and i guess uh vasectomies yeah. vasectomies yeah are and like they all have really extreme potentially harmful yeah. painful effects on on you know the bodies of people with uteruses yeah and it's incredible that we just accept that as like an acceptable norm not only do we like accept it as a norm but we also like if a woman somehow lapses or like fails to take proper precautions or anything and ends up pregnant, she's, you know, she or they, the, whoever gets pregnant is, is, you know, totally like it's victim blaming. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well you must've failed to take your pill, even though the pill is not a hundred percent effective, even though IUDs are not 100% yeah. effective, even the hormonal ones. Yeah. And you see some of these horror stories of, there was a piece in refinery 29, a couple of years back that was like a, um, kind of an expose on all of these women who had ha gotten IUD implants and had like horrible, horrible side effects from them. I'm talking like persistent bleeding over the course Jeez. of months, intense pain to the point where like they were unable to work. Many of these women found themselves unemployed because they were like just unable to leave their homes. They were in such constant pain. And when they went to their doctors to try to get this reversed, their doctors would basically say like, well, we can't reverse it this soon after impl after implanting or these symptoms are temporary or whatever else, which leads into a more like wider spread problem of women's pain not being taken seriously. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's just it, like at least in the old days, they would fucking like flick your bean for you if you were sick. 
And now just like you can't even get a fucking Vicodin because you don't yeah. trust women that they have pain. Yeah. <sighs> Jeez. Bring back uh, medical vibrators. Fortunately, we all have vibrators ourselves now. Yeah. They're yeah. readily available. Over the um, counter. They're yeah, in our cell phones. Yeah. They're in our cell phones. Yo, there's l- a legit an app. A couple of apps. Not uh, that I know that, but I that, but I do know that. Rule 34 or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's an app for that. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, you can find us on Twitter. Ironweeds Pod. You can find us on Instagram. Ironweeds Pod. You can subscribe to some tasty, tasty bonus content at patreon.com slash ironweeds. And you can buy us coffee for as little as three bucks. You'll get yeah. the last two episodes, two the last bonus two episodes. episodes. Yeah, and maybe more later as yeah. we, you know, do more stuff. And oh. it, but, you know, if you give us maybe a big, a big one time, who knows what the fuck we'll send you? <laughs> give maybe, us a hammy. maybe Dave yeah. will send you nudes. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only if they're consensual. If you I, want David's nudes, yeah, <laughs> I can convince him probably to send them to you. Um, and. Shoot us an email, uh, ironweedspot at gmail.com. We did get an email from someone who I, I can't remember who it was, but they recommended to us the other um, uh, creative, share, like um, Patreon type platform. Oh, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Um, yeah it was, it started with that. It was like Lib- li- Liber. Liber Pay. Liber so, pay. so the problem yeah. with, with that is that they don't actually allow for. Um, content distribution it's more like buy me a coffee than patreon exactly and you know the reason we ended up having to go with patreon was because we were getting to a point where it was time consuming to get all of our supporters the content that we wanted to get them and basically patreon just streamlines that so until there's a more a less exploitative more you know like workers based model that can also create like an rss feed and you know something like that distribution and we're kind of stuck with patreon but anyway um but yeah, email us at ironweedspot at gmail.com. D- DMs are open, as always. If you rate and review the show, send us a screenshot. We'll uh, send you some content. And thank you so much. We're all so humbled and honored for folks who are supporting us. Absolutely. Now. Completely. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Why would you give these losers <laughs> money? I don't know, but I like it. Bad decisions, but they work in our favor. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace.